What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. going on peeps and welcome to episode 89 of the Fretzelmania podcast a double dose a Brucey bonus episode if you will thank you OSW review featuring both Unforgiven 2002 Ed Mine and Ryan Williams's review of AEW Dynamite that we recorded in his car on the way home on Wednesday night so the quality between both recordings here are going to be a little bit uh, choppy. As you can tell, my uh, voice is still effed from all of the shouting and chanting that I did in Toronto. It was a very, very good time. And not only did I go to AEW Dynamite, but we had a few hours to kill in downtown Toronto and went to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Somewhere that I still haven't been up until that day. Um, when I went for my fabled back surgery that you all have heard about on this podcast, I was under the knife for about nine or ten hours. So the rest of my family had some time to kill. And I've been telling them for years that they owed me a trip to the Hall of Fame. So, hey, shout out to Ryan for getting us there and... Finally getting my picture with the Stanley Cup and forever cursing the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that, so I'm going to attach the AEW uh, Taxi Cab Confession review after Unforgiven. So stay tuned after the show for my good friend Ryan Williams joining me for AEW. Now, for Unforgiven, I'm going to just briefly give you the 20-bell salute portion of the show right here, right now. In theaters, September 2002, I only had a couple of mildly notable releases. Firstly, Sweet Home Alabama. No, not to be confused with the banger, yet slightly overrated hit song, by Leonard Skinner, it is a romantic comedy starring Reese Witherspoon, Josh Lucas, Patrick Dempsey, Candace Bergen, Dakota Fanning, Ethan Embry, to name a few. It's just basically, you know, home, big city, hometown girl goes back home, and it's a will they, won't they. It's a, it's a romantic comedy, so uh, I can guarantee that I wasn't watching it. I was only watching romantic comedies when I was in a relationship, and in September 2002, I was single, and I still am. So this was just, you know, it's supposedly, you know, heartwarming. It's got Fred Ward. It's got... Actually, that's the only 
a worthy guest star that's in that's in there, in my opinion, because I haven't heard of the rest of these people. And then we have Barbershop, a uh, African-American comedy film starring a veritable who's who of, of black comedy. So we had Ice Cube, Anthony Anderson, Cedric the Entertainer, Keith David, Sean Patrick Thomas, the singer Eve, I mean, Tom, Tom Wright... Carl Wright, DeRay Davis, Jason Winston George, just a big old cast here of a, well, it's a barbershop ran by Ice Cube, and then it's a bunch of uh, funny shenanigans in there and all the conversations that they all have. I haven't seen this movie, at least I don't think I have. I may have watched it in 02, but I forget everything. I'd be all over that, because I loved Friday, I loved Next Friday, I haven't braved the third one is there a fourth one i am not entirely sure but i also had triple x written down here no not the thing that you need safe search to google actually you do need safe search to google this movie but it's that action movie with vin diesel i live for this shit i think i talked about it in august i can't remember who did i had nate on SummerSlam, August 2002. I think we talked about that briefly. No, wait. SummerSlam 2002 wasn't Nate, was it? I can't remember. I seem to remember Kyle, but he was SmackDown. And the movie Swim Fan, but that is actually not really worth talking about. In music, we had Disturbed, their album Believe, which is an absolute banger. Eminem's single Cleaning Out My Closet was ruling the the charts. CKY, Infiltrate, Destroy, Rebuild, featuring my favorite song by them, 96 Quite Bitter Beings. And another hit song that was taken all of the headlines due to its controversial at the time nature. Christina Aguilera's Dirty and Seeing that music video deemed controversy compared to some that I've seen today that had full-on nudity in it. That's pretty tame, but back then it was pretty, pretty racy. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, I, I know people who were, you know, going through the change while this song was coming out. And it was, uh, it was a good time for them to say the least. In video games, we had NHL Hits 2003. The NHL version of Blitz, which is which is just as good, if not better, than NFL Blitz. Burnout 2, one of my favorite, most underrated series in all of video games. Uh, drive a car, cause mass destruction, cause as much damage as you possibly can. And Grandia Extreme, another in the uh, fabled, underrated, and very good JRPG series Grandia. You know, I have an old friend from high school who's actually a, for I think former friend of uh, Ryan who came with me at Dynamite, whom you're going to hear later on. Uh, I watched that friend Harley. His name is. He played it on Twitch, and I pretty much watched him play the entire game through several weeks of of his Twitch streams. And then we had Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance, another criminally underrated 2D 
Metroidvania, well, this is where the Metroidvania genre came from, was from Castlevania. And this was just, this was damn good. It wasn't good as, um, uh, it's called Symphony of the Night, I think that one's called. Because that one is probably the best Castlevania, other than 3 or Super, arguably. One that gets lost in the shuffle, but I think you can play them on Switch now. So that's something I might get into down the line. And elsewhere in the world of pro wrestling in September of 2002 was ROH Unscripted. And if you want to hear a review of this, I suggest checking out one of my former guests, Kyle from the Abram Bump Podcast through Ring of Honor. I think he's in the middle of 03 now. So he did talk about this one back in the day. And this was very early ROH. And this was actually the event that crowned the inaugural tag team champions. So we had the prophecy, that being Christopher Daniels and Donovan Morgan with Simply Luscious, defeated the SAT, the Spanish-announced team, Jose and Joel Maximo to advance to the semifinals. The Far East Connection, Dick Togo, Dick Togo, yes, that Dick Togo from Kayentai, defeated Ikotu Hikita, no, I mean, <clears throat> Dick Togo and uh, Ikotu Hikita of the Far East Connection, defeated the FBI, that is, James Nunzio, Little Guido Meritado, and Tony Mamaluke, to again, advance to the semifinals. And then in the next match, the FBI explode as Tony Mamaluke defeated Meritado in a match following. Brian Danielson and Michael Modest, a name that not a lot of people know, but if you watched, not Dark Side of the Ring, what's the, what's the other wrestling, Beyond the Mat, uh, he was a, to a, a topic in Beyond the Mat, he was one of the indie guys that was trying to find his groove and won a match with uh, Irish Curse or something, I, I seem to remember that so vividly for some reason. But Brian Danielson and Michael Modest defeated Chris Devine in Quiet Storm to advance to the semifinals. Again in Tag Team Championship action here, we had the Prophecy defeating the Far East Connection to advance to the finals. Alex Arion with Prince Nana defeated Dunn with Marcos. In a shocker, Xavier defeated ROH World Champion Low Key to win the championship. Takayo Omori defeated Sonny Siaki. Jay Briscoe defeated The Amazing Red. In my match of the night, because I watched a good chunk of this, and I think I have a couple of these matches on DVDs or a BitTorrent somewhere, Paul London defeated Michael Shane in a street fight, I believe with a shooting star press off of a ladder, if I'm not mistaken. And the main event, the inaugural tag team champions, are the prophecy defeating Danielson and Modest to become the first ROH Tag Team Champions. The current ROH Tag Team Champions, FTR, um, I saw in Toronto. They were only out there for an interview. I didn't go to the Rampage tapings the night after, and looking at the spoilers, actually it's not a spoiler now because I'm recording this on Saturday the 15th. Happy birthday, Wakely. Um, yeah, it's not a spoiler. Yeah, I'm bummed that I missed them on Rampage, but Dynamite was so fun. 
you'll hear my jumbled, messy thoughts on it uh, after this. But yeah, Dark Elevation was taped beforehand as well. And I'm trying to think if I remember anything. I remember Athena wrestling a local talent whose name is escaping me, was getting all the chance. I mean, Athena was getting so much heat defeating this uh, young lady who, from my vantage point, looked like uh, Becky Lynch from 2017, but it obviously wasn't her. Unforgiven 2002 took place on September 22nd, 2002, at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California, with the tagline, The Next Big Thing Has Arrived. This had an attendance of 16,000 fans and a buy rate of 300,000. This was one of the last dual-branded pay-per-views, and it had the theme song, Adrenaline, by Gavin Rosedale, the lead singer of the band Bush. This song was also featured in the soundtrack of the movie Triple X with Vin Diesel. On Sunday Night Heat, taped before the pay-per-view, the PLE, if you will, featured a match between Rey Mysterio, who defeated Chavo Guerrero. We have a stacked, stacked card for this event, of which I'm going to get into right now. Eight-man tag team action featuring the Un-Americans, the entire Un-Americans, being the tag team champions Lance Storm and Christian, as well as Test and the newest member, William Regal, taking on Kane, Goldust, Booker T, and Bubba Ray Dudley. Kane recently returned to the company after, after some time off, after some injuries. Changing his theme to something that he would be relatively infamous for for the next almost decade, that being the criminally underrated version of his theme, Finger Eleven's Slow Chemical. Loved it. Just... I love that theme. It was on Forcible Entry. This is a CD that's going to get plugged throughout the entire night. And I believe that CD also has the distinction of being released twice because it was um, released just before the WWE got the F out. So we had Lance Storm being in a tree of woe getting chopped by Bubba Ray Dudley like this was a Ring of Honor match of some kind. Bubba Ray with the flapjack shades of the Midnight Express, says JR. Loud Regal sucks chance. Test and Goldie get into the action here. And then Booker T and Test face off the former tag team champions during the invasion angle. Full circle, Nate take a shot. We see a was up, but this time Booker plays the role of Devon Dudley. Booker, get the tables. And then Lance dropkicks the table into Bubba while Nick Patrick admonishes him. Test with an impressive power spot here. He pump handle slams Kane. <clears throat> Again, sorry for my voice. Um, 
this will be the one night I have time to to do this, and my voice is still heft from AEW. Thank you. And then Scissor Me Booker with a Spinneroonie. Why did I write that down? Dynamite must have been fresh in my mind. Christian with Reverse DDT. Kane Guzzles Lance Storm. Christian comes in with the low blow. Bubba Bomb, Shattered Dreams, Flying Clothesline by Kane. Regal has the Nux, but Kane says no. Chokeslam, and Team USA wins. Boo! Backstage, Stephanie McMahon hypes Billy and Chuck ahead of their inter-promotional match. Now, this is a match featuring them against 3-Minute Warning with an interesting stipulation, which I will get to shortly. And she says that this win is not for me, it's for SmackDown. And then Billy says, and so you don't have to French French kiss a lesbian? Well, that too, Billy. Intercontinental Champion Chris Jericho versus Ric Flair. And 20 years after this match, almost to the day, nope, 20 years in a month. Shut up, frets. What are you thinking? Jericho could arguably still go. I mean, he doesn't have the same finesse that he did in the 2000s. I mean, who does? I mean, 2002, I was 18 years old. I was almost in my prime. And yeah, no, 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 no. But man, this match was great. We uh, saw a recap from their match at SummerSlam of which Chris Jericho tapped out at. Make a note of that. Chris Jericho, who at this time was a four-time, 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 four-time Intercontinental Champion, defeating Rob Van Dam on a recent episode of Raw. And then the network plays Ric Flair's 1992 theme, Thanks, Peacock Network, whatever it is in Canada. It is not also Zach Zarathustra from uh, Space Odyssey, I think it is, but it was like the crappy knockoff version that he came out to, and then a lot of the games had him in his like 90s WWE theme because copyright or some kind i won't play it here in case i get copyright stricken too so flair is playing mind games he's doing chops he's uh going for an immediate figure four but is denied the abdominal stretch uh a la wilbur snyder says jr that is a name that's probably even older than lou thez that's a name i don't even know and if i don't know it uh there's a problem and Y2J goes to Chop City. They chop each other, you know, much like uh, Danielson and Jericho did uh, this past week. Jericho was six when Ric Flair won his first title, it is noted here. Lots of chops. Ric Flair then does a Brett's Rope knee. Brett's Rope, the most dangerous rope. The second rope. Watch OSW Review. Come on, you'll get, you'll get these. Ric Flair with a near fall. A lion salt is denied. Chris Jericho lands on his knee, or Ric Flair lands on his knee, I forget who, and there's a target lock. Jericho is cowering in the corner. He is hurt. But no, he's playing possum. Locks in the walls of Jericho, and Ric Flair has no choice but the tap out. Backstage, Eric Bischoff hypes three-minute warning. It is the debut of Jamal and Rosie on the main roster. He says, you're representing Raw, and talking about stacking the deck. He bought Rico in, 
to manage streamer warning. He says that he knows them inside and out. So to speak. We get it, Rico. We don't have to say it. He says, hey, and then he says, grab some popcorn, get a dab of Vaseline, and enjoy this. Ma Dude. Mm. TMI on, on the Vaseline, okay? So right here, before I get into this next match, we're going to take our commercial break. Stay tuned. What is going on, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager here and host of the Kings of the Rings podcast, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Enjoy the show. Ruthless aggression. Two words that define the better part of WWE's modern era. Wouldn't you love to take a time machine back just to relive those memories? Well, now you can, because it's Friday, and it's time for the Fretzelmania podcast right here on WrestleAddict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Yo. Yo, listen. I'm not rapping this, guys. I'm, I'm not rapping this, okay? This segment of the podcast is brought to you by our store on Spring. Link is in the description below. Wrestle Addict Radio's Spring Store just got even bigger. We now have, on top of your t-shirts and your hoodies and your shorts and your track pants, your face masks and the beer steins and the coffee mugs and the wine tumblers, the tote bags. We have shower curtains and Nintendo Switch cases. So, want to get naked with me and play video games? Hey, offers on the table. Then we got metal prints and welcome mats and aprons. So, hey, you want to cook with me? Ladies, I know how to cook some damn good food pennants water bottles we have so much stuff the link is in here uh, fretzelmania.creator slash spring.com not a slash it's a forward thing i don't know what those things are called but we have all sorts of crazy stuff featuring all of us on Russell attic radio not only myself the fretzelmania podcast but the kings of the rings collection featuring each king of the ring that being Willie T, King Ricky Rose, and the Queen Bee themselves, Agent K Murphy. You got the Young Lions collection and you got the Brace for Impact collection. Patreon members, I know things are a little bit dormant on here lately, but I'm gonna try and get some content out there within the next month. Speaking of Patreons, you get 15% off of your merch. So start your Christmas shopping early with Wrestle Attic Radio, the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast and Common Wrestling Merch Store. Eddie Guerrero versus Edge, continuing their historic rivalry in the early days of SmackDown. We had Shaq shown in the audience with his with his kid, and right away we had a big suplex. Edge is uh, selling his head here having storyline concussions from all of his recent unprotected chair shots that age about as well as 
uh, let's just say milk. And this is another technical masterclass in professional wrestling. Eddie Guerrero with the fire, or if you will, the Latino heat. A brain buster is reversed into an edgeomatic. And a uh, lot of let's go Eddie chants as L.A. is uh, not very far from the Mexico border. L.A. is not that far from San Diego, a city that I've been to. And it is extremely close to the Mexico border to the point where every couple of miles on whatever highway that, that we were on, we were being stopped by Border Patrol making sure that my friend and I weren't harboring, harboring illegals in our luggage. And no, we did not. We had a tightrope Hurricane Rana reversed into a sit-down powerbomb by Edge. The electric chair, we were thinking he was going to go for that uh, face buster electric chair that he used to do, but no, he just bopped Edge right into the turnbuckle. Spear is denied in execution. Edge reach, Eddie, I'm sorry, reaches the ropes. Edge with a missile drop kick, denied. The turnbuckle is exposed and exposed and in Murphy's Law of Professional Wrestling, they who set something up get hit with it or put through it. See Luchasaurus versus Jungle Boy from this past week. Edge spears Eddie into it, but then Edge's head is hit into the buckle while uh, Edge is setting up some kind of top rope maneuver here. But no, Eddie smashes Edge's face into said exposed turnbuckle, hits a beautiful sunset flip powerbomb, rolls Edge up, hand, handful of tights, and wins this match. Like, holy shit. This is nowhere near as good as a contest they're going to have in the future. I think I'm skipping a few weeks in, in SmackDown just so I can get to a, a certain episode and a certain other pay-per-view uh, coming up here so I think I'm gonna miss that I might go back and do it uh, on like I don't know like a holiday episode or something and uh, we'll we'll have to go from there backstage Triple H and RVD have a chat in the back room in the dressing room there uh, Triple H is really laying into Ric Flair during this speech he's like you know you have no passion and he sees Flair there and says you know what used to have that desire, that fire, and that disdain for his opponents. Now he has nothing. And it's ironic that you're getting ready for your match with a loser like Ric Flair. Remember that. Our next contest is the interpromotional tag team match. Featuring three-minute warning, that is Jamal and Rosie, Versus Billy and Chuck. It's Raw versus SmackDown. Steph does HLA. Or Eric kisses Steph's ass. Billy Gunn. Who at this point in time was 38 years old. Now 58. Older than both Shawn Michaels. And I think The Undertaker. Still going. And still looks absolutely amazing. I think it's. Uh, thanks to all the scissoring. <laughs> So Rico, of course, is getting involved here, and we see the bloodline, one of the forefathers of the bloodline being the late Rosie and the late Jamal, a.k.a. ECMO, a.k.a. the future 
Umaga. And all the people that Three Minute Warning have attacked over the past few months include notables like D'Lo Brown, Planet Stasiak, Mula and Mae Young, Stephanie McMahon, Lillian Garcia, The Big Show, Jeff Hardy, and The Lesbians. They don't have names. They're just the lesbians. They don't get names because whatever. Uh, an extremely homophobic chant is directed towards Rico. You can try and guess what it is. Billy allows three-minute warning to scissor Chuck. A rosy moonsault from Brett's rope was denied. An extremely impressive spot by, by a big man. Billy gets the hot tag in here. He naga knocks both of the three-minute warning into each other. It's not very effective, as they are both Samoan types. And then we see a big old schmoz, a, maybe a jungle kick here and there, but eventually, Jamal wins with the Samoan drop, which means that Stephanie McMahon has to do HLA. Stay tuned for that. Rob Van Dam versus Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship. Big gold, the WCW title. Brock Lesnar has been poached by Stephanie McMahon, the SmackDown general manager, meaning Monday Night Raw is now without a championship. A little light bulb moment for Eric Bischoff here as he digs into his closet, blows the dust off the WCW title, or more like he asks for it from Chris Jericho. And Raw now has the title. Brand Warfare, World Champions, you now have things that'll differentiate excuse me, your show. So now Monday Night Raw has a World Champion, and it is literally handed to Triple H. No Deadly Game Tournament, no Battle Royal, no nothing. Bischoff is like, hey Triple H, I like you. You're a leader. Take this and hold on to it for 18 months. Minus a month later this year. So this match, I'm going to say right now, this match was not good. These are two styles that just didn't mesh well. And, you know, Triple H is a bit more, he's a little bit more methodical, especially later in his career once both of his, uh, both of his quads dissolved into dust. Uh, He's a good worker, but th- this I, I just found myself bored during this match. I actually fast-forwarded a good chunk of it. We see a tope plancha being denied, and RVD just splats right on the ringside there. It sounded ugly. Me be- having a few spine, <laughs> just, just tingled, man. Very plodding match here. Eventually, Ric Flair gets into the ring here, and we all saw this coming, right? I mean... The dirtiest player in the game. He has a hammer. It looks like he's going to hit Triple H with it. Nope. Swerve, bro. He hits RVD. Triple H with the pedigree. And still, world heavyweight champion, Triple H. Backstage, D'Lo Brown and Kidman, the stars of Velocity and Sunday Night, Sunday Night Heat, respectively, are hating on Ric Flair from doing this. And then for... Reasons I can't even begin to comprehend. Uh, Eric Braden, aka Victor Newman from the Young and the Restless, comes in comes in here and just says, you know, 
keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And then Dilo is trying to ask him to kiss and tell about him, you know, bagging all the ladies over the years. And he's like, you know, uh, I've been a happily married man for, for a very long time. You know, and just basically says he's not going to kiss and tell. But then he leaves with Don Marie for reasons. Trish versus Molly Holly for the women's title was a pretty standard back and forth match here. King was being horny for Trish's puppies. I mean, <clears throat> do you blame him? Uh, making fun of Molly Holly for, you know, being pure and the granny panties. Uh, if I can be really blunt here, this is a hotter than hot take. But I thought this version of Molly Holly was far more attractive than Trish. I mean, maybe I have a thing for big butts. I don't know. I don't know. But I've always found Molly to be extremely attractive. Same with Trish. But something about the that Molly purity whatever gimmick, you know, it guess it did it for me. I met Trish and it was <clears throat> awe-inspiring because she is stunning. And yeah, Trish wins the women's title here with a reversal out of a slam and Trish just hits the the, the Rey Mysterio Bulldog, the wheelbarrow Bulldog and wins. Cuts a little promo talking about, you know, the hard work and, you know, something, something, yay, I won, blah, blah, blah. Backstage, Eric, three-minute warning, Rico, and some ladies celebrate. Next up, we had Benoit versus Angle again. I think this is their fourth pay-per-view match against each other. Five, if you count the triple threat of Kurt Angle from WrestleMania 2000. So we see WrestleMania 2000. We had WrestleMania X7. Backlash. Judgment Day. This. I think this is the fifth. There, there's probably one in there that I am skipping over. Let's see, throughout most of 2000, they were both heels. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably right. The backlash, it was Kurt Angle versus The Big Show and Benoit versus Jericho. Yeah, this is their fifth pay-per-view match since 2000. And man, this was an underrated banger. Everyone talks about their Royal Rumble 03 match, which I'm going to get there in just a couple of months. But holy crap, this one was so good. We started off with a lot of shoot wrestling and counter wrestling and pinfalls and submissions being traded, suplex being traded, and then, you know, Taz making a line about Benoit having 0% body fat and Michael Cole who rarely perks up with anything funny, says, when did you have, when was the last time you had 0% body fat, Taz, when you were two? Ooh, cool. Wow, bro. We see a top rope Bailey to Bailey suplex, an ankle lock denied, a tombstone being set up, which then is flipped out and reversed into a shoulder breaker by Chris Benoit. Undertaker is leaning very convincingly, very eerily to his TV, seeing that tombstone set up, putting his glove on, just in case he he had to uh, Shawn Michaels WrestleMania 14 him, if you catch my drift. See the Air Canada, a cross face into an ankle lock, reverse, 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 into the ropes, angle presses A and B in no mercy, locks in the cross face himself. 
We see a reversal, and then Benoit wins this match with his feet on the ropes, outsmarting the Olympian heel, Kurt Angle. Backstage, Mark Lloyd interviews Brock Lesnar, asking him about The Undertaker and how it got personal when he involved Undertaker's family. And Paul Heyman says, anytime that you try to take Brock's title from him, it's personal to him. And then, here we go. Eric Bischoff and the lesbians. They don't have names because, I don't know, insert 2002 something horribly offensive here. They don't get names. And then Stephanie McMahon comes out and these ladies, these independent wrestlers, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of them was April Hunter, but they weren't big enough to be her. They start to dance around Stephanie and kind of, you know, pet her and touch her and, you know, lean in. And Bischoff's like, no, 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 no. You're making out with that. And then you see clearly Rikishi and drag a very big gay woman, in parentheses here, comes out. Hildegard is this person's name. It's clearly Rikishi and drag. It's nowhere near as good as Eric Bischoff's Pat Robertson disguise. But, yeah. Uh, then we see them actually, in parentheses, get down a little bit and kiss. And then Stephanie grabs her grabs her ass. I'm like, oh. Oh, they're really, oh, super kick. Rip off the face. It's Rikishi, as we predicted. Stink face on Eric Bischoff. And then they have a dance party. Stephanie McMahon gets the last laugh, at least for now. I'm just going to give you a heads up. Next week, I'm reviewing the Halloween 2002 episode of SmackDown, and I think we all know what happens there. Yay. And now, your main event. The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Undisputed Championship. The debut of Undertaker's You've Done It Now theme. You've gone and made a big mistake. Well, here comes the pain. Uh, Taz was getting into saying this every time Brock would come out, and we would hear this until WrestleMania 20. We have a very slow, at times, back-and-forth match. Taker with the old-school it is all Taker, and Heyman is knocked off of the apron. We see a spear by Brock Lesnar, uh, spearing Undertaker into the apron. Brock power slams him, and then locks in a, it's like a stomach lock, a gut lock. It's like if you were hanging on for the German suplex. Uh, Taker then, he blades. The goozle is denied, a big boot and a ref bump, choke slam, and for some reason Matt Hardy gets involved here, but he gets the last ride. The last ride. Brock with a double A. I'll give him a triple A on that spine buster. Mwah. That is uh does not involve I mean involve. That does not allow him to win this match. There's a ref bump. With a chair, Taker boots the chair into Brock. Unprotected chair shots all around. The last ride is countered. An F5 is reversed. 
And then finally, Brock is upset with the referee. Uh, Brian Hebner, I think it was, gets shoved into the corner, resulting in a disqualification. And then Taker and Brock actually kind of have some stiff-looking moments here with Brock getting a double leg. And they fight. They have a choke slam. They fight to the back. And then they get to the stage here where The Undertaker throws Brock Lesnar through the Unforgiven sign. And the feud must continue. That is how we end Unforgiven 2002. That is, uh, that was quite a very, very good pay-per-view. A lot of people, including a lot of my friends, really petered off of wrestling after X7, after after the invasion, but man, uh, SmackDown specifically, 2002 is very good, very underrated, and you know, I've been following along the RA Era podcast uh, with uh, Michael Ragg and uh, and Dave Burnham, you know, the UK variant. I've been following along them in their timeline. They're in about 05. The American variant of the Ruthless Aggression podcast they're, they're somewhere in 04, I believe. So even then, there are some damn good moments in Ruthless Aggression. It's an underrated era in wrestling. It's arguably better than the Attitude Era. I said it right there. Hot, steaming take right on your plate. And yeah, no no mercy 2002. I'm, I'm not reviewing that, folks. I'm skipping a few weeks in the timeline just so I can... Start to match things up, at least uh, thematically. Next week's Halloween. At the time you're hearing this, it's going to be Halloween. I'm recording this on the 15th, so I'm two weeks away. I'm doing the Halloween episode of SmackDown, which features a lot of historic moments, including a much-needed gimmick change for one Jonathan Q. Cena, and a very, very weird moment with... uh, Bischoff and Stephanie, I'll get into it when I get there. It's it's kind of messed up, like really, really messed up. So yeah, no, no mercy. If you want to hear me talk about it, uh, Nate and I did it in the uh, the archives in the Game Changer podcast. I don't know exactly when and where we did it. I think it's actually on my YouTube channel for some reason because I think we were we were trying something and trying how to do something. This is back when Nate and I would review literally everything and then an old school pay-per-view review. So we did like two, three hour podcasts on the regular and oh man, that shit burnt me out. But I, I, I still love you, Nate. It's all good. So you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, I still dabble a little bit in TikTok. I'm starting to think I'm too old for TikTok. But all those platforms at Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E-Mania. You can listen to this podcast on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Also featuring the Kings of the Rings podcast, streaming every Wednesday night on Twitch, YouTube, and a bunch of other places. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, it's during Dynamite, but I promise you, it's a good time. You can watch both at the same time and then hang out with us in the uh, post-show chat, which is always really interesting. Sometimes we do a little trivia. It's, it's a good time, I promise you. Also, what's a good time is 
the Brace for Impact podcast with my good brother, former co-host of the Game Changer podcast, Nate. The effing great going through old school OG TNA pay-per-views. He just got to, I believe, 2005. I'm sorry, I really need to catch up on a lot of my podcasts. Uh, Before I went to Dynamite, I worked for 25 consecutive days, so there was not a lot of time to dabble into those kind of things and also although he is currently on a bit of a hiatus uh want to give some love to zach the young lions perspective who has been uh releasing a young lions journey talking about his um uh, his mental his uh, mental health and and therapy i I still have to listen to that as well, but uh, Zach, you're hearing this. Love you, buddy. Hope you're doing good, and I hope that you uh, get the help that you need, and when you're ready, can't wait uh, to uh, hear you giving us the news of the week, kicking off your weekend in proper YLP fashion. So next week, folks, Halloween, SmackDown, and then in November, I got Survivor Series. 2002 to look forward to i got a special guest lined up for that but i'll reveal that to you when we get there tttfn ta-ta for now and keep your stick on the ice cheers hey ryan how do you feel about an impromptu podcast we could do that yeah, yeah we're recording now by the way yeah i mean i i love the card it was great to see the first aew dynamite in toronto uh with Mr. Fretz himself, but uh, at the same time, I'm just questioning the placement of the Jericho Danielson ROH title match uh, before um, that women's tag match, and then obviously um, the All Atlantic Championship match with uh, Orange Cassidy going over Pac for the belt, which was great, but at the same time, uh, it just seemed like a strange placement in the card for Jericho and Danielson, in my opinion. I'm with you there. Uh, By the way, folks, uh, this is Fretz, Fretzelmania. I don't know what episode I'm going to add this to, maybe to Unforgiven 2002, if I watch it. But that is the voice of uh, my longtime friend, Ryan Williams, who I've known since, oh, 1998, first day of Brock High School. And uh, he he came all the way to my place. We drove into Toronto, went to the Hockey Hall of Fame, bought a Leaf jersey, probably, possibly jinxed the game tonight, but what, <laughs> whatever. So yeah, we were both at AEW Dynamite at the Coca-Cola Coliseum in Toronto, home of the Toronto Marlies, the farm team of the Maple Leafs and have been since the 20s, but it was a great venue. I met Slack finally. So Slack, if you're hearing this, uh, click, clack, team Slack. Eat that, Ricky. <laughs> and of course, my buddy Shay. Uh, shout out to him as well, who we got into contact with, who I've known from Sobble. So yeah, that was uh, one heck of a card. We had some nice surprises on Dark by the time this comes out. Dark will already aired, but we had Frankie Kazarian, who just last week was the X Division champion, defeating uh, not a kid. What's what's that guy's name? Speedball Mike Bailey for the title at Bound for Glory, and then relinquishing it for reasons. And a nice tag team match with Sky Blue, and uh, I forget who the other was, but the ball. Emmy Sakura. Emmy Sakura. Then the fucking Bollywood boys and the the guns had the most heat the whole night. Ass boy chance 
all along, and then I was I was hoping for Dan Housen, but then he comes out to curse the bastard in the main event who was trying to go for a ring bell, but yeah, the the rest of the card we had a. Uh, Kicking off the show. What, what was the kickoff the show? Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, obviously. Oh, there was, there was and, a lot of stuff going on there. I was one of the very few Luchasaurus fans in audience. I, I, I think it was like the two of us and like maybe one other person in the crowd. And then the rest of the whole crowd was Jungle Boy. Yeah, when everyone was waving their hands, I was just waving a thumbs down. I, I don't like Jungle Boy. N- probably no reason. He's, he, he's just boring to me. And Christian came out he of course he shits on the maple leafs and gets instant nuclear heat and that was a pretty damn good match luchasaurus went over relatively clean you know christian didn't get a lot of shenanigans in there he did go through a table at one point though which you actually predicted correct he who sets up the table or she or they they go through the table that is the, I was skeptical I was skeptical that it was going to play out the way you predicted Mr. Fritz but it did it is the Murphy's Law of pro wrestling and it's also see the was it the Roman Reigns Kevin Owens street fight from the 2000 I want to say 17 Royal Rumble Kevin Owens sets up this symphony of chairs and of course he's the one who goes through them speaking of symphonies we had the Powerbomb Symphony Warjo against uh, the that Mike Camarado and was it QT, QT Marshall? Yeah. I kept shouting, who the heck are you? He was making fun of everything. Of course, they get destroyed. The embassy comes out. Prince Nana, he, he, he's over with me. Longtime Ring of Honor manager comes out with the embassy and Brian Cage. This, of course, sends out FTR. Mega pop, but sadly, that match with FTR and a returning Sean Spears. Canada's own. Canada's own from St. Catharines, Ontario, just up the road here. We're currently on the QEW or the 401. I don't know what highway we're on, but we're heading we're heading back home tonight after. And yeah, Warjo, we almost got a powerbomb symphony if it wasn't for well the embassy. How did you like that one, Rye? Um, I really liked it. I mean, uh, Joe looked like he was working pretty stiff. I mean, uh, I guess that's probably how he normally works, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, some of those shots he was dishing out, um, they look pretty vicious on the receiving end there for uh, Mr. Camarado and QT. And that was uh, the Ring of Honor television champion. That wouldn't be the only involvement from Ring of Honor we had. Uh, Ian Riccoboni, the commentator for Ring of Honor, I believe he was on for, if not this match, the what should have been arguably the main event. You know, I just saw something on Twitter from... Uh, John Ritland, you know, John, if you're hearing this, you're probably uh, screaming about Orange Cassidy on your AEW review. I'm going to have to watch on YouTube. Real honesty with John Ritland on YouTube. Check him out. It was Chris Jericho defending the Ring of Honor Championship against Brian Danielson of the Blackpool Combat Club, whom I spent the night booing despite the fact I bought a fucking Combat Club t-shirt tonight. Even though that that was the only merch that was available other than Canada-themed AEW, my lack of MJF merch is crying, and so was my wallet. But once that's <laughs> once that's paid off, I am buying a new an MJF shirt. I guarantee pro wrestling tees. But that was a very good technical, hard-hitting, hard-slapping, chopping, woo, red chest match with. Uh, Probably the most predictable outcome of all time with the ref bump, 
And once Daniel Garcia came out... I mean, I didn't really see the turn, though. I mean, obviously you did. I was surprised. I was surprised that he turned back. I really was. He went back to the superior form of wrestling. That is sports entertainment. Back with Daddy Magic. Who got all the chance that night? Because he was on commentary for Dark. He did get a lot of chance. He, he, he got a lot of chance. He got, he, he got a hell of a pop. And, uh, oh, speaking of, I, I just remembered, we saw the in-ring debut of Satnam Singh. Yeah, actually, I was kind of impressed. I was exp- I, I was impressed. Actually, some of the moveset, um, it was better than I expected. He was, well, he was a lot better than the great Kali, I'll give that's, him that. That's really what we're kind of using as a comparable here, isn't it? Yeah, because they're, they're both Indian, and they're both seven feet tall. Uh, he could go, and, but he got all the heat because Sanjay Dutt, you know, was parading around ringside doing God knows what. And um, Jay Lethal didn't even get a tag in the match. No, and, and the crowd seemed a little disappointed with that. And so was Jay. He was just like, what? So I, I'm thinking... They're building some kind of angle here, aren't they? I Please don't put Jay Lethal in the ring with Satin. Give me Sanjay, like, the Bombay player, Sanjay Dutt, former X Division champion. I don't know if he's doing a lot of in-ring anymore. I understand he's a producer at AEW, but Prime Sanjay Dutt and Jay Lethal, which happened a million times, they feuded in TNA. I know that for a fact. I think they feuded over SoCal Val. Shout out to her who follows Wrestle Addict on Twitter because she, she's friends with Nate. What's up, Nate? Uh, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember what else was on Dark. There was Frankie Kazarian. Went one instantly with the, the Bob Backlund special. The crossface chicken wing, a move that I used to lock on people in high school for fun. You, you, ever, you ever locked that on skeepers? Uh, no, I I'm, I I tried. I, I probably did. I probably did in like grade um, nine. I can't okay. remember. Just, I, just for the record. I can't remember. Skeepers, I don't know. You, you'll you never hear this because, I, man, I haven't spoken to you in 21 years. But, yeah, well, this is Brock High School story time on Fretzelmania, so... <laughs> If you don't get the obscure references, you know, ones that Nate and I would usually make, well, <clears throat> too bad. Um, I'm trying to, I'm drawing a blank on dark, but yeah, Danny Garcia once again joining the Jericho Appreciation Society, much to the delight of the Daddy Magic chanting Toronto Faithful. We had a really good women's match with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. And uh, Jamie Hader, who she's getting mega over as of late. I've we noticed, and and she's a gorgeous young lady, really nice ass, if I can be completely honest. Versus the interim, I'm saving the interim championship rant for later. But Tony Storm, it's Tony time, and Hikaru Shida, who I'm surprised got decently over chance. You know, those of uh, longtime listeners of. Russell Addict and uh, formerly the Game Changer podcast know my feelings about Hikaru Shida. I think she's kind of boring, but she impressed me tonight. Really did. And there was a, you know, like a roll up reversal, reversal, reversal win by uh, <clears throat> by Shida and Tony. I was expecting Soraya Paige to show up, but to no avail. Uh, Hater's getting all the chance, and I think it's only a matter of time before she turns on. Dr. Britt Baker. How did you like that one, Ryan? I thought it was pretty impressive. Um, I mean, we were kind of doing the DMT chant in our section, and uh, there were a lot of Sheeta chants. Holy uh, Sheeta? Much, yeah, much to our my kind of surprise as well. I mean, it seemed like, again, 
uh, we were on the DMD side of this equation and there was a lot of pro Shida people in our section, which again, uh, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, to each their own. Like, hey, you like Shida, that's great. She's a hell of a talent. Former women's champion, was she... I know she was the second one. I'm, I'm drawing up like the name of the young, small Japanese lady that won the title first. Uh, Mate's gonna absolutely kill me for this one, but yeah. Uh, then we had the main event for the All Atlantic Championship, and I can just hear Ritland screaming right now. Orange Cassidy, who came out to. Um, what was that song he came out to? It wasn't Turn Me Loose. It's an it's an old rock song. I'm not, I'm not going to get it. I'm sorry. Which is sad because <clears throat> I'm in a band and I should be here to save you on, on the music. And no, but, I, and but, somehow but, I'm not. But it has like the piano riff from Turn Me Loose, but it's not that. It's an old rock song. He used to come out to Where Is My Mind, but... And, and I, my band plays that song. So really... Um, you know, just just a shout out to my band and covering the Pixies, but we maybe we should switch to his new entrance music because it is kind of better in a way. Yeah, it's a, I I I liked Where Is My Mind because that what fucking movie was that? I forget. Fight Club. Oh, it's at the fight, end of Fight Club. Fight, yeah, that's how I got into the Pixies. Really. Yeah, I. Uh, They're a great band. Hot, hot take here, but I fucking hate that movie. Anyway, well, it's yeah. one of my favorite movies, James. So we hey, can agree to disagree. That, on that. that that's fine right there, and that that's you know that's a sign of a good friendship right there. But we had. A pretty competitive match between Pac and Orange Cassidy. Whole bunch of shenanigans. Uh, I, th- you know, I, I think we had some uh, some South African British people sitting right next to us all night, and they were definitely they were definitely on the side of the bastard Pac, and so was I. Much like I was. You're a bu- hey, speak, speaking of uh, Brits, Jermaine. My boy, my fellow Chiefs fan. Oh, wow. So, sorry. Oh, wow. It's okay. Sorry, Bills Mafia. Sorry. I, I, I'm here. I'm here in the blue, even we, though it's not the right blue. We got... Hey, but you know what? I hope you guys do well this thank, year. Like, I, I want... You know, because the Chiefs have already won the Super Bowl, I want to see the Bills oh, do it. Well, I want Sunday. Sunday, we get a little uh, AFC conference final rematch. Sunday. Oh, that's that's right. Uh, so, yeah, Jer- Jermaine, I haven't heard from you in a long, long time, my good brother. Listener to Russell Attic Radio and a Patreon, who is our British good brother. And speaking of, well, Pac, what he's from. No, he's from Newcastle upon Tyne, good lord, home of Cultaholic. Shout out, Tom Campbell. Man, that that match was wild, and we had. Uh, he always impresses, though, right? Like, do you yeah. ever watch him and say like he gave you know a half effort? I don't think I ever do. Like, I mean, I I, I think he's always impressive. But tonight, live in person, I thought he was especially impressive. Ooh, with Cat, the moves. No, Cat, Pac, Pac, oh, Pac. Oh, Pac's always impressive. Like, but Cassidy, he has that gimmick where he half asses it, but then once he gets, once he turns it on, once he's like, okay, mofo, we're gonna do this. Like that one jumping DDT to the outside and the way Pac sold that was just like it made my fused spine I know it did look like you know the way he sold it you felt like Ugh. you got a spinal injury watching it that's how I felt watching yeah, it yeah I'm, I'm back at I feel like I'm back at sick kids getting getting metal fused to my back like in 99 but man, he, he did that twice and he sold it like that twice and we had a bit where Pac was going for the the ring bell and then of course uh, who emerges from the ringside table, but Danhausen. Danhausen. Danhausen, very nice, very evil. Who then puts a curse on a pack, and then a couple of orange punches later, we have a new all, all Atlantic champion. I was, 
when I when that was the main event in the back of my mind, I didn't say this out loud, but I, I I'm like Pac winning the title here, and lo and behold, thing after the cameras shut off, he says, you know, I need a backpack because I don't like carrying shit around. So out comes the injured um, Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander, thank you. Boop. Shout out to Statlander. Hope you're doing getting better. Come full, full leg brace, and he's like. Hey, come on, why are you taking so long? Are you it's like you're hurt or something? Well, no shit, she is. And then it's like puts the bag in the backpack, I'll see you later. Maybe I'll go wherever, whenever, and then I immediately wanted to break out in Shakira, but no. So Yep, what do you think of Orange Cassidy Rye? Um, I mean, I like him. I know some people don't really like the gimmick. I mean, I like the gimmick. I mean, he can work. I know part of the gimmick is him kind of not wanting to work, but I'm just saying when he gives it his all, he can definitely work. And I like the gimmick because I feel it's completely different from everything else uh, that I've seen before in wrestling. And that's what makes it fresh to me is that it's not a rehash of, you know, an old gimmick or something we've seen before. And it, that's why I like it, and then that's why I think it works. It's it's something different. It's creative. It's like you you, you, you wouldn't think of it. It's like Luigi Primo. It's it's another. It's a comedy gimmick. I, I, and I mean, at the same time, um, I think there's a place in wrestling for comedy gimmicks. I know some people don't like them, but at the same time, for me personally, um, I think it works, and he can still work a great match with Pac. And I think everyone went home happy there. And and, and you can have an entertaining. I mean, Crash Holly. True. Let's go. Like, cr- cr- Crash Holly, one of the best. Like the Hurricane, the friggin' Hurricane. Like who was actually at the last wrestling show that I saw live in 2003? Wow, I did not the, know. The that. Hurricane and Maven versus La Resistance. That Maven. Ma- main event Maven. Ra Era podcast favorite. I mean, can we say right now that he was the most successful winner of Tough Enough, or am I leaving someone out? Uh, Johnny Nitro, The Miz. Okay. Oh, wait, no, wait, The Miz was a runner-up. See, this but, is what I mean. For winners, for winners of Tough Enough, I always thought Maven kind of did the best out of all those guys that actually won Tough Enough. No, John, dude, John, Johnny Nitro. I guess you're right. John, I'm sorry. John Morrison. I guess you're uh, right. But then there's Nydia, whom I'm, I'm going through. Well, of course, I'm going through 2002 on my podcast. Uh, I, I'm imagining you're going to hear this uh, before I talk about Unforgiven 2002. If I if I even watch it, I might watch it when I get home and settle down and whatnot. But that's for another time. So, yeah, that's a, just a quickly Brucey bonus review. Thank you, OSW, of uh, Dynamite. Ryan, where can people follow you? I know you don't use Twitter that much. Um, I mean, I don't, but my band has an Instagram, at those guys band, and then me personally on Instagram, at Spikio27. Uh, I think that's enough. That's that's enough for me. You and- know, I'm just here, loving wrestling, driving Mr. Fretz, um, you know, going to shows, and uh, loving it. So, thank at- you so much for having me on. How do you spell that? S-P-E-K-K-I-O-27. It's a Chrono Trigger reference. For anyone that remembers uh, yes. the video game Chrono Trigger, Fucking that a. guy at the end of time that originally kind of looks like a white furry yeti, that is Vecchio. That's right. I've never gotten that far in that game. Oh, come on. I got, I got, Chrono Trigger's the best, friends. It, it Chrono is. Trigger's the best. You got to play. It's hard. I got to the... Well, I got to the... No... After the future, I think I got to the dinosaurs. Okay. But yeah, yeah. They, they say the, that we could go on about Chrono Trigger and you know As long as I'm not talking about Mystic Quest, it's all good, right? Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> don't. No. 
Bra- I'll, I'll, I'll break out in Brave Fencer Musashi and then uh, Sephiroth. Anyways, this this ain't a JRPG <laughs> podcast. This is a Brucey bonus of Fretzelmania, probably attached to Unforgiven O2 coming out in uh, a week or two. Peace out.